This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. Um, Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I wanted to do um, this uh, paper. Where did it go? Well, I guess I will do all my papers eventually. So I'll start with this one. Um, the title is Hind Milk as a Rescue Therapy in Very Preterm Infants with Suboptimal Growth Velocity. Lead author Bilal Al-Shaikh and uh, trailing author Crystal Wood. Um, this is in the journal Nutrients, um, and the, it's coming to us from Canada. So this was a prospective cohort study in a level three NICU between January 2019 and June 2022. The inclusion criteria was quite stringent. Infants born less than 30 weeks and less than 1,500 grams born um, to parents to with enough, quote unquote, enough milk supply. <laughs> so greater than 150% of infant needs, which is no small feat. Mm. Um, infants needed to be on full enteral feeds of 140 ml per kilo per day of exclusively milk diet greater than two weeks with slow weight gain. Um, and their parameter for slow weight gain is less than 15 grams per kilo per day. The inclusion criteria, or I'm sorry, the exclusion criteria was small for gestational age or chromosomal anomalies. So obviously two major factors in, in slow postnatal uh, growth. So the intervention they used was um, uh, they had uh, mothers separate their milk. So they started pumping. And then after the flow was initiated for that pump, the first three minutes were set aside. That was considered four milk. Um, and the remainder to empty was considered the hind milk. The primary outcome was the rate of weight gain um, uh, while consuming hind milk as compared to the two weeks prior. Um, and the secondary outcomes were changes in the anthropometric anthropometric Z-scores and changes in the fatty acid profiles. So the baseline characteristics, they had 552 infants born during that time period, 163 with uh, identified as slow growth velocity. Unfortunately, they were only able to enroll 34 infants. And I just thought this was interesting. We review so many papers. Most, 82 of the remaining infants did not meet the inclusion criteria, which again, it, it, we have, it is hard to have ex an exclusive milk diet. It's a lot of work. Um, and there are so many factors that go into um, preventing uh, an exclusive milk diet. Um, but and, they, uh, go ahead. No, and it's the, it's the dilemma that every researcher faces, right? It's like, you want to, do you want to get power versus high quality mm -hmm. data, right? And so as, as stringent your inclusion criteria, as stringent as your inclusion criteria become, then you get a much narrower sample size, but a much cleaner sample, but, That's right. but it makes the, the, the performance of the study so much more difficult. For sure. And I do think it was important in this study to be clear about, you know, like you said, to have the, the cleanest, the cleanest data. So, um, 27 refusal to participate. We still have a large uh, refusal, um, uh, to participate. And I actually think that number is climbing. Um, and then 21 quote unquote other reasons. Um, uh, the average gestational age for the group is 26 and a half weeks, average birth weight of 855 grams, um, and the majority of the infants uh, were on non-invasive respiratory support. Um, interestingly, I thought their unit must do a great job with nutrition. They had enteral support initiated on a median day of life one uh, and the median day of initiation of hind milk. So for the babies selected to participate was 33 and a half weeks. 
Um, hind milk uh, and composite milk differed significantly. So when they looked at um, the milk that is pumped normally, so the composite milk versus just the hind milk, um, differed significantly in fat and total calories. There were no differences in protein or carbohydrate. So for the primary outcome, there was a significant increase in weight gain in the two weeks after initiation of hind milk compared with the two weeks prior uh, using composite milk. The mean difference in weight gain was 3.8 grams per kilo per day. Um, the weight Z scores were significantly higher at two, three, and four weeks of hind milk. Interestingly, um, they have these beautiful uh uh, graphical depictions, but the Z scores make kind of a peak at three weeks and then begin to taper off. The head circumference scores were larger at three and four weeks, and the length Z scores uh, remained unchanged. Uh, all were adjusted for protein content, gestational age, sex, and exposure to postnatal steroids and BPD. So they did try to evaluate for some of the other um, confounders of poor waking. The secondary outcomes they looked at were that all the fatty um, acids were higher in the hind milk, um, but only linoleic acid reached statistical significance. There were no differences in arachidonic acid uh, or DHA. So the takeaways are, was that the um, hind milk did increase um, the, the weight gain. Some people may say, but is that enough? But, you know, I mean... For some of our babies who really have stagnant weight gain, I, I, I do think it's a, a potential, so, uh, a potentially clinically important. I'm, I'm thinking maybe some people are not familiar with because I mean we've we've done we've done hind milk in our in our uh -huh. units in the past, but like what if somebody says, well, I don't understand, like isn't that baby getting the hind milk anyway? Like what are you giving exactly? Mm. Can, can you can you explain to us what it means to feed? Like what is the difference in in just? Well, I think if you take the overall. And we had this is sometimes complicated to explain to parents. So if you take the overall feeding volume, basically a higher proportion is going to be of hind milk. I actually thought it was interesting that they only pumped off the first three minutes mm -hmm. um, after the flow was initiated because the uh, counter argument is isn't there good stuff in the foremilk that babies need? Um, and so I, I actually think this is still not a quote unquote exclusively hind milk, um, but a higher proportion of the milk that the babies are getting are um, is hind milk. Right. So instead of basically having uh, hind milk with other, just, you just want to, you just want to use the hind milk alone and feed that to the baby with whatever additional caloric supplements and so on and so forth that you're otherwise giving them. Right. That's right. Okay. So it has a higher caloric density, just like they showed here at high, it has a higher fat content. Um, uh, there's more water content in the, in the four milk, um, mm -hmm. as compared to hind milk. Um, but that's why I thought that was, I think actually they only pumped off the first three minutes and for people who have pumped before or watching mom's pump. It's a bit arbitrary. It's, it's arbitrary, right? Uh, you know, some pump sessions can range from five minutes to 20 minutes, right? Um, but I, I think what I would have liked to have seen is more nutritional data on the composite versus the um, hind milk, because obviously that's different for every um, individual. Um, but I thought it was an interesting study, um, especially when we're talking about putting so many different other kinds of additives to fortify milk and increase the caloric density when you have a milk product that you can um, manipulate. 
to change the nutritional value, I think is is interesting. What does it mean to give more fat as caloric density versus, say, protein as caloric density? You know, I think that's a question that has to be asked. Um, and, you know, what does that mean for long-term growth and development of the metabolic syndrome and things like that? But um, I think for babies whose, who's, uh, you know, um, mother is producing a lot of milk, which is hard to find <laughs> mm-hmm. to begin with, um, and whose weight gain is not good, it's something to consider. I also think there are some moms who are pumping so much milk that some of that milk can be uh, have a low caloric density. So that's something that we have to, not all milk is the same, right? So we right. have to be knowing what kind of milk production families are, are bringing in. All okay. right. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.